0: To be fair, in, in the mid-80s, you were probably able to get from the farmer's market to Long Beach in a reasonable amount of time.
1: <laughs> Hi, and welcome to the episode of Center Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks.
0: And I'm Thomas Horton.
1: And here on Senator Nation, we discuss film genres and the tropes and stories in them. And for the month of February, we we're talking about a very romantic genre. <laughs> uh Thomas. No, we're talking about the erotic thriller this month. I think we had talked about doing this last year, February 2021, but we realized that we had done so many months straight of like noir and dark, mm. <laughs> dark stories. Like, we have to take a break because we did noir, Christmas adjacent, which is basically noir at Christmas, uh, neo noir, and then erotic. Th- we're going to do rock thrillers. Like, that's too much noir because as we talk about today, the erotic thriller is very much tied to the noir genre. It's pretty much the, with neo-noir, it's kind of a, a sub, it's almost a subgenre of neo-noir mm-hmm. in a way, yeah. basically is what this is. Um, so when you think of erotic thrillers, Thomas, what, like, what do you think makes an erotic thriller?
0: Well, first off, I think 1980s, just flat. <laughs>
1: right, off the, right off the bat.
0: <laughs> it's such a, like, sp- specific time for a genre. I mean, it was, like, everywhere and then it was one of those i mean we we've talked on this show many times about genres just getting like run into the ground and sometimes it takes forever like uh i don't know cowboy movies superhero movies yeah yeah um and sometimes you can it just happens in like the blink of an eye and i think yeah erotic thrillers are just kind of in and out in this period of time and um and i'm not sure i i I don't really know maybe we can dive into that more throughout the month i feel like it's probably got something to do with the internet and the availability of pornography (laughs) because this these these kind of these movies do kind of serve as a way to be like it's it's a movie it's got a plot and it's got actors and stuff but it's also got nudity yeah yeah um but yeah I, i think of you know Basic Instinct, Fatal Attraction, yeah. movies we'll be talking about, and um, yeah, and yeah. and you know we've we've already covered some like my personal favorite Body Heat we covered during uh, Neo Noir month, um, yeah. Last Seduction we covered during Neo Noir month, so yeah we the, a lot of these fall into that noir you know you've got femme fatales you've got yeah. kind of these usually at night and like seedy alleyways and and kind of like we talked about neo noir. Whereas I feel like a lot of the neo-noirs we talked about focused a little bit more on bringing the violence to the forefront. These movies were all about going, hey, you know, all that sex that w- people were talking about in noir movies, but we couldn't show you. Now we're going to show you all of it.
1: Yeah, it's it, you bring up a lot of points that go with the genre that I was going to bring up, too. So it's like, yeah, when reading up on a rock thriller genre, I was talking about how like kind of the the Internet didn't have a did have a, uh, a, a play, I guess, or an impact on the the fall of this genre because mm-hmm. when looking at it what's that what i find very surprising too what we're doing this month is like the two movies that that you and i picked for our solo episodes are kind of movies that are on like the fringes of the era mm. it's like we're doing body double today directed by brian de palma which is 84 and then we're doing Stanley kubrick's eyes wide shut which is 1999 1999 but when you look at like kind of the genre the peak is kind of late 80s into mm-hmm. like early to mid nineties. Um it's like everyone like I'm looking online, everyone kinda says like, oh, the the beginning of the peak is fatal attraction in 87 and the end of the peak is basic instinct in 92. So basically five years is what mm-hmm. they kind of like say is the like quintessential period of the genre, but there's more before and there's more after. Yeah. And as you said too, it's like it became like in the nineties with the rise of cable you begin to see more cable movies that are like this that become the rise. It was like erotic thrillers or soft core pornography, basically. Um, and then you have direct to video with, with the uh, video rentals chains and how that becomes a big thing. And because, and, and basically, like you said, the Western in a way too, it's like it became, the market became saturated. Mm-hmm. And that's why the kind of the fall happens, but the rise it just kind of happens in the eighties with we're, we're taking the old school ideas of noir and putting it, in a modern film like he, we talked about this separate or off the show you're talking about del toro's nightmare alley mm-hmm. now that's like he basically makes a 1940s film but shows you everything that you were like thinking that, that wasn't shown in the 1940s films right and a lot of these erotic thrillers i think show the eroticism that wasn't shown in those 1940s films mm-hmm. because they weren't allowed to um and yes i think these genres again i think it's gonna be interesting with this one because body double is a little bit different with these kind of kind of like archetypes but like there is the femme fatale in some cases there is like the fall guy which i think is going to be prominent in this episode today but there's there's always the dope it's kind of thing yeah. that falls for something which is very similar to a noir film in some way mm-hmm. um and that's present within the genre another thing too i researched when looking into that I, I researched when uh looking at the genre was like talking about how it was interesting seeing this kind of go up in popularity in the 80s and 90s when we're in the middle of the AIDS epidemic epidemic mm. and how there's kind of correlation between the two of how AIDS is, is kind of becoming a big hot topic in terms of news cycle but movies about essentially sex and probably unprotected sex or whatever is becoming a, a big part of the cinema at this point mm. in time um so there's interesting correlations with that but yeah so it's like i think like you said it kind of starts at the beginning of the 80s with movies like body heat and then i think leads into body double and then it kind of it becomes the peak with the fatal attraction which we'll talk about in a few weeks we talk about adrian lynn who directed that film so yeah so what's some movies that we've mentioned a few but what are some movies you other movies you think of
0: Another one I feel like when I was a kid that was always playing on TV and, and it was one of those things like you could put it on when it was on TV and you knew that, that you were missing something, you know, you knew that something <laughs> had been edited out was uh, Hand yeah. That Rocks the Cradle. And oh, yeah. that one feels like, like even within this genre, it feels like there was such a knockoff after Fatal Attraction. There are so many like Fatal yeah. Attraction knockoffs. And so Hand That yeah. Rocks the Cradle is another one of those is just all this, this subgenre of like guys if you cheat on your wife it's gonna go very very it's very go bad. badly for you <laughs> yeah and 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 then you and i were talking about when we were kind of mapping out this month something that's that's was an interesting trend because um, when we were in film school this was kind of going on one of my professors was one of my writing professors was kind of working on this in this movement but there was a, a studio a couple years well more than a couple years ago now i guess that was taking a lot of these movies and tweaking them enough to not have to like buy the rights to them. And then um releasing them with a focus on an African American audience. And there were there were a lot of those that dropped. I think one was called like the perfect man. There was uh was it called Obsession, the one with Obsessed 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 with Edriselba and Beyonce. Beyonce. And and if you you go back to the DNA of those, and I mean so many of these Movies, like I said, with the Fatal Attraction ones, so many of these movies are like ripping each other off. But like that obsessed was just straight up Fatal Attraction with a couple of things changed. And so that that was a really interesting moment where the, I feel like those for a couple of years, you had probably four or five of those that that worked that that kind of made money in the theaters. You can make them for cheap. And um and then they even that fizzled out again. But then but then we've got stuff in and out. I mean, it's Fifty Shades of Grey an erotic thriller. I, I think so um you had one that blew up on netflix during quarantine that italian one um like exploded on netflix it was,
1: yeah it was a certain yeah. amount
0: of weeks right or months or something yeah. it was a, yeah, it was it would, a number yeah. but um so yeah every once in a while you you still have one that i feel like like captures the attention there's another one on amazon this year that got good reviews the um the four years uh, with uh, i heard about was this. it justice yeah. smith and um uh the the girl from the girl from uh euphoria sydney sweeney justice smith and and sydney sweeney yeah that one got good reviews It didn't i don't think it grabbed social media as much as that italian one did but yeah so it's 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 a genre that definitely has not died completely um but like you said i think when when home video came along there was this idea that like oh i don't there was this period of time where it was like we we want to make these kind of nudie pics but they have to they have to be good enough to get into theaters (laughs) You know, yeah. they have to be high quality enough to get into theaters. And then once Skinamax, quote unquote, and and the, the back room at the rental store came along, it was like, oh, I can make these whatever quality I want, because there's no middleman at this point. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's you bring up because yeah, I looked at Voyeurs right now. And like what I read is that it's like, oh, it's kind of inspired by rear window and body double. Like it's like so. <laughs>
0: nothing and, and is original <laughs> yeah
1: and but that but going with the, the title of voyeurs like there is this with with certain erotic thrillers or i mean erotic, the thing about erotic thrillers i think the big thing kind of comes to play too is like this idea of like a el- like illicit romances like basically there's something in it that is not accepted publicly does that oh, make yeah. sense yeah
0: we're 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 being presented these evocative provocative movies yes. We're being presented with this gaze that it, with an erotic gaze that is OK. The, the movie saying, hey, you can watch this. But the movie, almost all of these movies are also showing you, hey, the person within this movie that is participating in this gaze, something bad happens to them. You're you're getting away with it, but they're not going to get away with it. So it is it yeah. is really interesting because almost all people are the people are almost always punished in these movies. Yeah. For looking, for participating in looking, but we get away with it. Yeah,
1: it's and I also think of like too with a lot of these. It's like it's always like it's an affair of some kind. Mm. Like so, it's like yeah, someone so someone's gonna get punished in some way. Like no one's gonna come out the way they they kind of uh came in in terms of like if they were good or whatever. But all, there's always this threat of something kind of being uncovered in mm. some way. It's like even with today with Body Double, where it's like this is a guy. Uh, Jake Scully, who's a character who is like he sees a murder, but he sees a murder because he's a peeping tom mm-hmm. is the thing, and it's taking the it's taking away like with Rear Window, it's kind of like oh, it's a guy who's bored and just looking around, seeing people, and he sees someone get killed. But in this is like no, 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 he is watching a woman essentially like undress, strip, masturbate, whatever in this scene and so he is this it is this sleazy type of character
0: yeah this it's basically like what if jimmy stewart and rear window had only watched miss lonely hearts and hadn't watched
1: yeah, and that's it like
0: anybody else's yeah. window
1: or only watched that was the lady that it's the, it's the lady that's always like working out or whatever mm-hmm. like in her bra basically like that's it and that's and you're only watching her um and it kind of takes that and does it with this I, i'd be I said i think everything's kind of builds on top of something so if it's 1940s noir films or in this case and some of these other ones it's built off, built off hitchcock films like there is an interesting kind of line where you go from 40s noir to hitchcock into erotic thrillers mm-hmm. um into this modern sense of erotic thrillers but yeah there is there is always this kind of what used to be unspoken is now out in the open and in some case finding out what's going on in these movies could do harm to someone a lot of the time yeah or some sort of relationship in some case but yeah but it's interesting because like i said we're, we're picking two movies that are outside the fringes and that's through. the rock it started off before fatal attraction with body double but with body heat with uh, even american gigolo as an example cruising is another one um so there's a lot of kind of examples out there of this genre but yeah it, it kind of falls off very quickly but yeah, let's. That's kind of the brief kind of overview of this genre, and we'll, we'll discuss more as we go into it when talking about the films we're talking about this month. Uh, but today, we're talking about the 1984 film Body Double*, directed by Brian De Palma, and Body Double* stars uh, Craig Wasson as Jake Scully, who is this down this luck actor who finds out his girlfriend's cheating on him, and he needs to like find a new place to stay and he finds he meets this this uh actor friend played by greg henry who gives him a sublet uh and while he's at the sublet he sees a woman across the way undressing every night until one day she's murdered by way spoiler alert if you haven't seen body double (laughs) um and and in turn he partners up with this porn star by the name of holly body played by melanie griffith and kind of one of her Pretty much her breakout role at this point in her career, who he believes might have something to do with this murder that he was that he was unaware of. Uh is very much inspired by the films of Alfred Hitchcock like Vertigo and Rear Window and kind of nineteen forties noir films. Um it's not available anyway for free to stream right now. I think it's but you can rent it on whatever platform, Amazon, Apple, wherever you get your movies from. And yeah it was it was it's it's an interesting film uh thomas i don't think you would seen this film before correct i had not no okay so what were? <laughs> had you heard about this film in any way beforehand
0: I, I knew it was melanie griffiths kind of breakout i knew it's it's mm-hmm. it's frequently kind of held up as one of De Palma's bests um mm-hmm. I, it kind of dawned on me like as i was getting into it and i was starting to see the dna i, I feel like at some point i heard it was like a hitchcock homage yeah but mm-hmm. it did. Is definitely i was gonna say i think it's Very interesting companion piece to last week that we watched High Anxiety last week. And we're they're they're on two ends of the spectrum as far as like, we're going to borrow everything from Hitchcock. And on one (laughs) end, it was like, we're going to borrow everything from Hitchcock and have fun about it. And this one's like, I'm going to borrow everything from Hitchcock and and take it very seriously. Yeah.
1: And I will say this, too, with the genre and it's present in this film, there is a little bit of like camp in some of these films with erotic thrillers are mm-hmm. like over the topness in some way like in these films and there are moments in body double that have that mm-hmm. and you kind of just have to accept it in a way um so what are your because i know you have feelings about the palma or maybe or maybe you're trying to uh figure out your feelings about De Palma. <laughs> what were your thoughts your initial thoughts on this film when watching it for the first time
0: it was good it was good overall very fun De Palma's I don't know. De Palma's just kind of <laughs> De Palma's irregular for me. He, he okay. there there are a couple scenes in this movie where I'm just like, "Why is he doing it like that?" Like um, you know, not not always in the the most fun or interesting way. I don't know. But okay. um yeah it's we'll we'll dive into it very very 80s oh my god this might be the most 80s 80s. movie i've ever seen in my life (laughs) at some point when he was watching mtv and spinning in his spinning circle bed with neon (laughs) lights on the wall behind him i was like if you ask somebody to make an 80s movie and they they dress the set this way you would go no come on we're making a serious movie here that (laughs) no one actually had that in the 80s
1: yeah the room that he stays in uh, and the house these days is very it's just like 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 black and and red it's like just the colors are very just like it feels like a set that's why i find mm-hmm. so funny it's like the house the exterior of the house is a real place but when you walk into that set you're like this is totally fake yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a way um but yeah very 80s the the soundtrack very 80s but also fantastic have this, like, soundtrack weird, fantastic soundtrack we also have kind of an interesting like again hitchcockian theme in a way Mm. with the music it's a it's interesting mix of the two uh so so my history of body double it was one that i i've seen this film several times and i don't want to tip my hand too much with how i feel about (laughs) it but i've seen it several times it was one that i I watched very much a video store movie Mm. is the thing and it was one that was recommended to me at the video store by a a clerk at the time named jeremy shout out jeremy and it, it was when I was like, "Oh, okay." I think this one might have be the one that made me reevaluate De, De Palma in some way, because De Palma was always a guy where like I was aware of him,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I knew he was in kind of the film, the the film brats or whatever, but I never really kind of put him on a similar level as a Spielberg or Lucas or whoever Coppola, and this made me like kind of go in and, and kind of look at Devil or Blowout or uh, even Carrie and sisters and those films. And I really liked it the first time we, I show we showed it when we, when we briefly did screenings uh, in LA at sideshow books uh, in Culver cities, Culver city, we showed body double with blowout. And what I remember about body double was that when it gets to the Frankie goes to Hollywood, relax sequence, mm-hmm. we, we blew out the speakers basically. Yeah, it's loud. Cause it's it was real so loud. <laughs> it was insane should we turn it down? And then like the next week he was like, yeah, we kind of blew out the speakers last week when we did body double. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I, I've always really kind of enjoyed this film for what it is for, for, Mm -hmm. for kind of the, the, the eighties kind of campiness to it and everything. I think it's, it's very much kind of De Palma, almost as most De Palma in a way. And we'll, and we'll discuss (laughs) that because, because I have, I have stuff to go with that. So you want to dive into how this this thing got to production? Let's do it. So the year was 1983 and writer-director Brian De Palma was on the verge of releasing the biggest hit of his career up to that point. After directing several successful films like Carrie and Dress to Kill and one box office appointment and blowout, De Palma was given the chance to direct a big-budget studio film, Scarface, starring one of the biggest actors of the era, Al Pacino. On October 23rd, 1983, two months before the film's release, the Motion Picture Association of America, the MPAA, gave the film an X rating due to excessive violence and language. De Palma had apparently recut the film three times before the decision, finally saying he would release the film as is in X-rated form. Um, The studio releasing the movie Universal Pictures was not too keen on releasing an X-rated film due to the view that, that only pornographic movies were rated X at this point in time. Uh, and also they knew that radio and television would not promote a film with an X rating. And in turn, they were afraid of the, the low ticket sales mm-hmm. after universal appealed the decision. It was actually overturned like 17 to three or something is what it was. Um, Scarface was finally released in December, 1983 uh, becoming a box office success at this point in his career. Many of De Palma's films had been criticized for their excessive use of violence, blood, and sex that was present within his films many critics besides the the uh, uh mostly taught or the, the talked about critic pauline kale on the show the infamous <laughs> pauline kale in some cases uh she was one of the palma's biggest supporters oddly enough and she believed that he was uh, maybe believed he was all style no substance but she thought there was more to him than that and scarface kind of only continued this trend um it seemed that mpa decision did something to De palma he goes i'll show them uh i'm gonna give them everything they hate and more more of it than they've ever seen they think scarface was violent they think my other movies were erotic wait until they see body double <laughs> so after the success of scarface columbia pictures wanted to sign the hot new guy in town they signed to palma to a three-picture deal and his new film body double will be the first movie in the deal the director had been exploring the idea for Body Double for a few years now. While making his 1980 film, 1980 film Dress to Kill, du- Palma began interviewing the the body double of the lead actress in the film, Angie Dickinson, who performed a shower scene very reminiscent of Alfred Hitchcock's psycho in that movie. And he began kind of thinking of like what would happen, a movie with a body double of some kind, body double being kind of a big key to it. And so he began working with writer Robert J. Everich, developing the script for the film. De Palma told him the idea he had dealing with the body devil and he told him that their main two influences would be rear window and vertigo. And they would watch both films together, trying to analyze the narrative structure of those two films or, or most Hitchcock films. They also took several moments from De Palma's life and kind of the Jake's for the Jake Scully character. He said one moment when Jake is telling a story about being trapped behind the icebox refrigerator, when he was a kid was actually something that happened to De Palma when he was young. And he talked about like when he started off going to acting classes and seeing how the acting teacher tries to like find that repressed memory to use for the scene for the actor. He goes, he'd seen kind of all that happen. Hmm. And so he kind of used that in the backstory of Jake Scully. He was also kind of going through a divorce at the time uh, De Palma was. So I wonder if that has something to play with the, the girlfriend cheating on jake mm. scully or whatever i'm not entirely <laughs> sure and so as the script was being done de palma began casting the film and when it came to casting the lead role he went with kind of an up-and-coming actor uh, with craig wasson who had just been nominated for best new actor of the year going globes a few years prior oddly after working with bigger stars like al pacino and john travolta de palma decided to go with a relatively unknown uh, actor in the lead role of this studio film uh, but it seems like the role that he spent the most time trying to cast was Holly Body, the porn star that appears about midway through the film. Initially, De Palma wanted to cast an actual porn star for the role. is what it was. He wanted to cast Annette Haven, who was very popular at that time, had been working for about a decade. He would audition her and, and one other actress, um, but not with the script. Instead, they used scenes from Lawrence Kasdan's Body Heat. They also allegedly used scenes from Ingmar Bergman's scene from, scenes from a marriage. I'm not sure if that's true, but <laughs> that's what I read. Uh, De Palma began doing specific screen tests with the actresses, but he was also auditioning specific cinematographers as well, seeing how they would like the actresses. For his director of photography, he would decide upon Stephen H. Burham, who would go on to shoot a total of nine films by De Palma, including The Untouchables and Mission Impossible. Burham, who had, I think had recently been starting out had most recently shot francis ford Coppola's the outsiders and rumblefish about a year before
0: wow okay
1: de palma would narrow the actress down to two one being annette haven and the other being melanie griffith who had been acting for almost a decade but with very very few breaks outside of the underrated and amazing 1975 film night move starring gene hackman which is at now a decade before basically De Palma would eventually cast Griffith because he felt she gave a better read, dramatic reading than Haven had. Uh, some reports say he did cast Haven in the role, but Columbia balked at casting a porn actress in the re- lead role. Um, because side note to kind of t- put into context here, uh, Columbia was owned by Coca Cola at this point in time, so the studio was way more corporate. Because after the rise of Star Wars, bigger companies began buying up these film studios, realizing that you could actually make money with movies so that will come back into play a little bit later
0: was griffith also not like a hitchcock nod so that's that was my next point it's okay
1: like, i don't know if i don't know if that was the point to it but he added this extra layer to this already hitchcock influenced film because griffith is the daughter of Tippi hedron the lead actress of hitchcock's the birds and marnie
0: it's kind of like carpenter putting
1: um uh, jamie lee curtis jamie lee in curtis halloween. And halloween yeah it's like is it purposeful or is it just like something in the ether that makes this happen. <laughs> like so like what, what what makes this occur um haven however did still appear in the film during the relaxed sequence uh of the when they're being that's sh- being shot on a porn set um haven would also serve as a consultant on the film providing a lot of the stories that shaped the holly body character apparently a lot of the stuff that when jake and her are talking at the the, the club or whatever mm-hmm. is all kind of from experiences from annette haven so with the cast and crew set De Palma moved forward with body double at one point he said if this one doesn't get an x nothing i ever do is going to this is going to be the most erotic and surprising and thrilling movie i know how to make so thomas what's one of your favorite scenes from brian de palma's body double
0: oh oh interesting um well since we just discussed it i do enjoy the relax sequence uh <laughs> Just because I think it's the closest to Palm has ever gotten to redoing Phantom of the Paradise*. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. Now it's *Sunset Boulevard* as well because one of the characters dresses as Gloria Swanson um, or Norma Desmond.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's loud. It's loud for sure. But I mean, it's, it's like. <laughs> And the way that they cut it in, like you, you really don't like he, he goes into audition you know for this porn is. and yeah. then this and then you're just like, bam, you're in a music video and you're just like, what is going on? And it, it takes a <laughs> takes a minute for you to realize, like, oh, they're shooting the porn right now. And I mean, they don't it's much longer past then before they reveal it to you. But um, yeah, it is always funny to me, I guess. So many times I watch movies and they'll do a like a scene of like shooting a movie or you're yeah. watching it, and you're just like, that's not how you shoot a movie. But, and I know that they know that that's not how, I know Quentin Tarantino <laughs> knows that scene that they do from bounty or not from bounty law, but from, um, when JK Hill goes back later, um,
1: Oh, uh, Lancer
0: Lancer. Yeah. Yeah. The way they shoot that scene from Lancer and then they act yeah. like they've been shooting that whole time. They would have shot that whole scene like that. <laughs> um,
1: they had five different cameras set up the entire time. Yeah, that yeah,
0: for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah that 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 scene is 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 very phantom of the paradise for me so it was a good time yeah
1: i mean it's interesting you bring up tarantino with this because i feel like tarantino and de palma have similar dna Hmm. like i think both of them in terms we'll talk about this later but like in terms of criticism i think they're both kind of the, the the director of the time that is like be is gonna is gonna be kind of knocked for the violence in the film, or sex in the film, or blood in the film. I I think they went through similar kind of I guess trials and public consciousness and press or whatever. Mm.
0: And both do a lot of borrowing and sampling or whatever whatever you want to call that yeah. style of filmmaking. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, hip hop cinema, as we were told in in our class at USC. I said, yeah De Palma I think has an interesting influence on film later on, but doesn't always get as much credit um in terms of the other filmmakers of the era uh but yeah i also i love the relaxed sequence because it's just it feels so like i said it feels so random at first you're like where am i at in this moment because it, it it you wouldn't think it would just go straight from his audition to like oh cool he's in the porn movie now that's like probably how it works yeah for well, that's probably true. <laughs> all that's right but and you look at a time too at this point where like porn movies are very expensive it mm-hmm. looks like with the with the huge set they have so that i agree that's one of my favorite scenes too and i think i think once melanie griffith comes into play in this movie i i think that's me, i because mean, I, I like the movie overall but that's where like just a an energy comes in this film that wasn't present before
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when she
1: comes in because i think what she adds to it is the movie's super serious beforehand but she adds this level of comedy that wasn't present before
0: yeah yeah, you you've got that that scene when when she meets his actor friend, and yes. there the movie's like made no attempt at that uh, like style no, of comedy before that scene happens, all. and she's great in yeah. it. but Honestly, there's several times in this movie I was just like, I'd I'd rather be watching something wild right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, cause, just because she's she's feels underused in this, and whereas something wild is like her star vehicle
1: yes but i yeah. agree with
0: that but yeah she she definitely brings an energy that the the first half of the movie is missing i
1: mean even like so with that that's one of my favorite scenes too is when she's talking with the actress where it's the like <laughs> well you do work actress- with
0: women and she's like yes of course she's like oh personally i can't get into it but good for you <laughs> oh anyway i wanted to ask you have you heard
1: of any roles that might be right for uh no i have Sorry. i have a tip for you oh really yeah simon lafarge is casting this picture you know him right No. No? Where are you from? Outer space? Um, just tell him that you ran into me. Here's his number. Um, you might want to firm up a little bit before you go and see him. Um, one more thing. Do you mind working with ladies?
0: no. No? I mean, acting is acting, right?
1: Right. that's right. I think that's really admirable. Me, myself, I can't get into it, but... Anyway, good luck and say hello to Simon for me. Good seeing you. Sure, uh, thanks. Oh, by the way, what's the film about? It's good. It's good. You need more comedians, not big messages. Good luck. Another thing I want to bring up, see how you feel about it, is the, the Rodeo Drive sequence when he's following Gloria, like in Beverly Hills. I
0: I thought it ran a little long, not necessarily just the, just the Rodeo drive, but just extended into them going down to long beach and him walking out on the beach and then coming back up and going above her and then looking down and then following her back out on the beach. Um, it, yeah that, that it ran a little a little long for me it felt a little indulgent like i could mm-hmm. i could just kind of see de Palma going like oh this is a cool angle like they they rented this mall yeah. out and just being like well this is a cool angle to shoot this mall scene um yeah that's you know yeah, it's, that's fine it's, it's what the the score is great i think the scores rise score is great and that's the sequence, score drives yeah. that that sequence but um I, I, if i'm being honest i i love vertigo i think it is one of it's a perfect film but the following that's my least favorite part of vertigo is that day that he spends following her around and this uh-huh. felt like a longer take on <laughs> of that, that sequence of
1: that. He, he did say so like, i'm gonna make one of the longest walks ever and that's what he does in and, that it in also that
0: scene. feels like I, I we can get more into it vertigo has a very clear and it's not it's not necessarily clear the first time i think that's one of the amazing things about vertigo is the first, maybe the first time you watch the movie you don't realize like what a bad dude scotty is you know you don't realize what a creep yeah. he is right but the the more you watch you're like this movie is condemning this man for the way that he not only treats madeline but also judy and i don't feel like this movie i, I don't i don't know I, I i haven't come away with a clear grip of what this movie is. Thoughts on this man's voyeurism is like like for instance in that sequence when he's watching her change in the yeah in the clothing store there's this and and the security guard comes up and is like hey can i help you man like anybody else that's 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 creepy man that's real creepy but he's like he's like oh i'm doing it to save her life from this guy that's stalking her but also like you're stalking her um yeah and I'm, i'm not sure i'm not sure what i came away with this movie what what it has to say about the way he acted i think it does it, it obviously does have something to say of like men or men are so predictable that this guy could yeah. like pluck anyone and be like if i tell this man that that this woman is stripping next yeah. door she, he's gonna watch it but
1: um and that's what he, and then basically kind of follows her around yeah like the, it, it, he knows that he's gonna follow her around or whatever because of it
0: you want to talk about the male um, gaze the, this is a male gaze movie for sure very
1: much so and the question is is like is it i mean i think it's purely male gaze because i I even when hearing de palma talk about i like to film women walking i was like okay (laughs) um uh, but it's interesting because this is a dude who made carrie which i think is like a very different type Mm -hmm. movie in terms of like feminist kind of values i should say um yeah this does have a very i mean this this movie is sleazy at the end of the day (laughs) like for good good or bad it's sleazy but yeah. I think that's what's trying to do. I think it's trying to be sleazy is the thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't I mean, I, I say this as like, I don't think he, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. He doesn't, it's not condemn. It doesn't really condemn Jake's character. Like Scott, like Scotty and vertigo.
0: Well, and another thing when you, when you talk about it being sleazy, I think that might be another thing that's missing from that whole sequence for me is it's, I don't know. I, I like, I love, obviously I love the relax sequence. Like, it, this, it, like that whole following thing. is just like broad daylight, like very, I don't know. Maybe I want it to be a little bit more noir for, you know,
1: like you're thinking like, if it's like almost like sunset, like,
0: yeah, I want more neon, you know, I want it. I don't know that, that I, I just, uh, the, the surroundings themselves and, uh, the, the beach with like the changing rooms is pretty interesting. The way they use color and kind of the, the blue yeah. and yellow. Um, but yeah, I, it, it, it ran on a little long, for sure.
1: That's fair. Well, okay, so that's so after that, do you have another favorite scene outside of Relax? <laughs>
0: uh, I do like the murder sequence. I think the the, the murder sequence is, um, is very, like, edge of your seat in the way that they play out the, you know, watching it and the way they use the space and, and him yeah. going behind the door and, like, the blocking and all that. Uh, and and the choking with the, with the, with the telephone cord and then falling back and then the drill. And, oh man, the way that, the way that she is ultimately murdered the shot where he's on the ground with the dog. And then you just see the drill come through the floor with the blood dripping through. That was, that was great. That was a great shot.
1: Yeah. That, that's the thing. So that we'll go into that a little bit later, but like when I watch that, it's so, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, that, that image is very memorable Mm -hmm. and you've never really seen anything like it. I think that's, that's the thing about the palma it's like you could be going through some sequences that you feel are are weird or like not working and then all of a sudden he just throws in this like masterful shot or masterful moment you're like oh that's why he became as big as he did like i i think now style can always age and it can always feel like dated mm-hmm. and and that's kind of the issue with the palma you either love it or hate that it feels kind of dated in some way but he always has those moments where it just like it's, ne- it's something you've never seen on screen before. And I think that drill, how shocking it is to see it. And, and the thing is, too, what he smartly does is you don't see the actual murder, really. You see it through Jake's eyes of seeing the drill. Just almost like almost like Freddy, like Nightmare on Elm Street, type, man of blood coming through mm-hmm. the small hole in the ceiling with the drill.
0: Shout out. Shout That's out Jake it? Scully for grabbing those two guys on the street to come back him up though yeah I feel like a I feel like a hitchcock protagonist wouldn't have brought anybody and then the cops would have immediately been like well you did this so you
1: did this but they're still like that i still think he did it anyway
0: it definitely a perv i mean I, I yeah the best character in this movie is that cop like he's and dead off
1: who's like you're a perv like yeah. i think the
0: husband did this but you're a perv
1: <laughs> good looking boy talented Cully, I got a real problem with you. What do you mean? I mean, you're my only witness to this murder. And you're a peeper. In my book, that's a pervert and a sex offender. What do you mean, sex offender?
0: Save it. I asked the question.
1: I agree with you on the the whole, like, it's not as judgmental towards his voyeurism. And I'm not, as you as know,
0: that's that's been a big conversation as of late in film criticism is like, yeah, yeah do you need the director to come out of the beginning movie and say like these this is a bad person but like yeah if vertigo could do it however many years earlier i think this movie could have done it
1: well it's i think it's kind of the i think i think what makes you and this goes into me that another question it's it's the ending the ending kind of like the ending scene is like oh cool everything's fine like mm-hmm. he got his job back so I, I, a question i had and this is just more it's not ever posed this but like is that ending like a fantasy is the ending of the movie a fantasy or is it just a tacked on Hollywood ending?
0: <laughs> uh, I can't tell. I I really, I really can't yeah. tell. Cause it's a, it's a weird jump from where we're left in, in the end of the story to, you know, him getting us like, do they call him up? And they're just like, you know what? We decided we had to have you back. They didn't, they never give us any reason to believe that he was good enough that they, would want to do that, and then their date. Yeah, I, I'm really not sure I I, with the end.
1: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I almost feel like it's a dream sequence in a way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I, he doesn't ever explain that, but she's like it just because it because it goes with like when he rescues Melanie Griffith to her waking up and being like, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no other man here. Like yeah. saying he's still a creep, but then it jumps to they're together and he's back in the movie mm-hmm. and you just it, 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 it always it always it, that was always drawing to me and this is more like what didn't work but to go into it does work i think a moment that i just think is so i think jaw dropping to me and the way he shoots it it is kind of the climax of the movie when jake is in the grave yes and it it's and sam who's who was who was, is revealed to be the guy who's been stalking gloria the entire time and stalking jake who's dressed up as an indian uh or a native american it's in the in the movie it's called he's called an indian um is that it's that just the 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 like with the white screen behind him and the the long like the the huge graves it's amazing mm-hmm. it's fantastic it's something that it it feels so different from almost the rest of the movie in a way
0: yeah yeah which is interesting i, I don't know if i need to necessarily save this i'll save it for what doesn't work you know what? okay i'll save it
1: but can you talk about that sequence and why you like it yeah
0: no i think it's great i think <laughs> i think it is a, it's an excellent I, yeah this this movie treads such a strange line as far as like homage goes you know uh yeah. and and yeah that one that one he's definitely using the vertigo uh strategy but it, it, it the, the way he kind of activates the camera with the with the dirt falling towards us and the Ground Like moving away from us. I do think it's one of the best uses of that method since it was created, um, especially with the, the motion of the dirt coming towards us. Usually when we have that uh, when we have that camera technique happening, kind of the point is to keep the person in the middle stationary. If we're looking at a person kind of like uh, Scorsese does in Goodfellas or otherwise to just just use space like it's used in Vertigo and show the space stretching um yeah so to have like the space stretching but also this thing like coming right into our faces is is pretty wild It's it's yeah
1: yeah the way the dirt falls is like is is weirdly beautiful in Mm -hmm. a way like the way it kind of like spreads out and falls on jake one other thing i want to bring up too what i like i again i love the the 80s-ness of this movie but also like the 80s los angeles of this movie Mm -hmm. like so many los angeles locations are shown in this film they're really all over the map it's like you see beverly hills and like the farmer's market but then you see long beach then you see hollywood then you see like uh somewhere in the valley like it's kind of mulholland drive like but it's to be very fair, much
0: to be fair in in the mid 80s you were probably able to get from the farmer's market to That's long true. beach in a reasonable <laughs> amount of time
1: reasonable amount of time yeah uh and play and and also filming there was probably way cheaper is the other thing too but, like, tale of the, it's very much like you get Barney's Beanery in there. Um, the the one kind of, like, one scene where he goes to the tail of the pup, the, like, hot dog stand. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of, uh, that's not even there anymore. So it is very much this kind of, like, time capsule of this. Era. And I think a lot of, when looking at erotic thrillers, I think eroticers in general are kind of time capsules of their era and style and location a lot mm-hmm. of the time. It's very much of a specific era. Yeah. And I think buy double definitely fits that fits that mold.
0: Yeah. 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 Completely different style than, you know, you're talking with body heat. We talked about how that was kind of like a modern Florida noir. You had that like eighties, like Havana, like everybody's in white and like all the flowing white dresses that you've got um, Kathleen Turner in and the, like the seersucker suits. And so, yeah, completely different style here for, for eighties LA for sure.
1: All right. Onset life so the film began shooting on january 30th 1984 in la about a month after scarface was released as i said as we we're just talking about the film has gone a little bit of a following because of it's used of various la locations with the tale of the pup rodeo drive barney's beanery uh former tower records on sunset that's mm-hmm. kind of interesting kind of time capsule of the era when you watch uh, those tower records um the hollywood tower apartment complex which is still there on franklin i used to drive by there a lot would go over to uh coffee shop 101 over there in hollywood uh they also use a, a building or a house called the the chemosphere which is the the oct- octagon like house that's the, in UFO. the Hollywood hills the ufo yeah it's in the hollywood hills off of maholland drive side note on the history of this house so built in 1960 the house the modernist house that was once dubbed by the encyclopedia britannica as the most modern home built in the world the first owner of the house was an aerospace engineer. And then the second owner of the house, well, I just want to bring this up because it's just a random tidbit and it kind of weirdly ties in this darkness of this movie. The second owner of the house was Dr. Richard Cunn, who was actually stabbed to death and robbed at the house uh, by his lover and another man. And uh, they would spend life in prison or in, oh, life wow. in prison because of that. Yeah. Uh, after that, after the house, after that, the house would be rented out for parties. And I assume filming with this in this case, uh, with the interior falling into ruin until the current owner bought it in 1998 and restored it, the makeup applied to Greg Henry's face in order to turn him into the unrecognizable Indian character took around three and a half to four hours each time. Uh, the prosthetic process required many makeup tests, a lift latex, a full belly attachment, teeth plates, and a complete hairpiece. Uh, when it came, when it came to. Frankie goes to Hollywood sequence De Palma put that in there because he realized that most of the time movies were using music videos as a way to promote the movie. So he decided, Hey, let's just put the music video right in the middle of the movie. De Palma says he was basically given carte blanche to make the movie. So so studio, the Columbia pretty much let him do whatever they, he wanted to do. That's until they saw the movie and <laughs> that again, very brief onset life and the aftermath. Uh, the film was previewed in Van Nuys in Los Angeles. And the response to the movie was not strong. So Columbia executives began to worry. The film was given an X rating by the NPA and like Dress to kill and Scarface before De Palma was forced to re edit the movie to obtain an R rating. He said he made, uh, he, he said he made minor cuts to the porno movie scene. When, uh, when talking about the process De Palma said, do you think the guys who run Coca-Cola want publicity about violence? They are very aware of their public image. And when they start seeing articles in the New York times about their product and violence, they go crazy they're not showmen they're corporation types uh in the in the 2015 documentary to palma he states that he will never forget the night of the press screening for body devil because he received a call from the head of pr saying they're gonna kill you tomorrow (laughs) uh it's it seems like critics were not happy after the press screening and it would show in their reviews when the film was released it received massive criticism due to the sex and violence portrayed in the film De Palma had received a lot of criticism previously, as I said, um, for his portrayal of women in the film. And it grew even louder after this film, calling him claiming he was a misogynist. Uh, the main scene that prompted that was the death scene of Gloria uh, Ravel and the use of a, a drill in her death scene. In an interview with The Guardian in 2016, he talks about how the backlash he received from the critics and a feminist groups saying Body Devil was, was uh, reviled when it came out and it really hurt uh i got slaughtered by the press right at the height of the women's liberation movement (laughs) when asked if he felt the criticism was justified if stated i thought it was completely unjustified it was a suspense thriller and i was always interested in finding new ways to kill people (laughs) um even in his loudest even his loudest supporter pauline kale did not support the film but not because the subject matter she felt that he was just repeating himself Uh, She thought for the first time in his career, one of his films did not have his typical De Palma energy. Uh, Roger Ebert, however, enjoyed the film, saying it was an exhilarating exercise in pure filmmaking, while Ebert's co-host at At the Movies, Gene Siskel, said that once the drill sequence happened, it just became another splatter movie. However, most critics, I think even including Cale, singled out the performance of Melanie Griffith. I think she said once Griffith shows up, the movie actually begins to pick up griffith would be nominated for best supporting actress at the golden globes the year it was released however de palma would be nominated for worst director at the golden raspberry awards <laughs> that same year uh he would lose to i think uh john derrick for bolero or something um the film would also underperform at the box office opening at the box office only 2.8 million finishing its box office run at 8.8 million against a possible 10 million dollars uh, and that three-picture dear at Columbia, the, where De Palma received a parking space and all that, was quickly canceled. <laughs> uh, and he never—he he didn't finish off the other two movies he was supposed to make. Columbia, and it was unclear of what De Palma would do next. Uh, he actually went in kind of a weird state of like directing. I think The Wise Guys, the movie. I think he did an episode of Amazing Stories for Spielberg. The thing he made, I think, while in post-production on this was dancing in the dark music video by bruce springsteen Mm -hmm. was the thing he did so he he was like he was trying to stay busy the problem was always like i want to keep working after all that kind of criticism and and hatred towards the film the film however would gain a cult following over the years because of its visual style 80s new wave soundtrack and its showcase of la locations when looking back in the 220 in the 2015 documentary De Palma states by double is one of the films that he gets the most mentions from fans he says that when films are released they're being judged by the fashion of the time and once time moves on most of those judgments are forgotten so thomas against mm-hmm. some brief stuff what worked about this movie
0: uh soundtrack for sure both the mm-hmm. uh score and the music uh yeah the score I I was really surprised by because it's not like an 80 it's it's definitely trying to evoke the Bernard Ehrman scores from Hitchcock's work so that was that was really interesting and and very very well done yeah and then yeah I think the the last 30 minutes of the movie are great they're really exciting they have this energy to it that especially once Melanie Griffith comes in and you kind of get that like Cause the, the idea of the like transgressiveness of the porn industry is very different from the transgressiveness yeah, everything of, else. of voyeurism. <laughs> <laughs> um So I, I think it does kind of get this like energetic boost in that, in that uh last kind of 30 minutes of it. And um he's great. The lead is great. I think, I think the cast, the cast is really, is really solid.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Craig Watson. I want to bring him up real quick. So like, because what I think is interesting, because Ebert talks about in his review, it is very much I think De Palma's trying to have like a Jimmy Stewart s character. I'm not saying mm-hmm. Craig Watson is Jimmy Stewart, but he's trying to make this. I think Ebert says like a a weak, a kind of weak, flawed character. Like because you got to think, let's put in perspective the time. So De Palma's worked with Travolta, he's worked with Pacino. It's a big studio film.
0: De Niro. I mean, uh, De Niro would have like yeah you know they got started t- together and then by this time Scorsese would have blown De Niro up so
1: but it's like what ha- like what wh- what do you think the movie feels like if you cast a big name because Craig Wasson no offense to Craig Wasson but like he didn't make many movies after this that were big like Mm-mm. he's in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and not much of this like level so it's kind of like feels like a one movie type guy in a, in a weird feels, way
0: it feels very authentic to like the it level like of it, yeah. actor that that he is in this, yeah. in this film as well
1: in the movie it feels very i think i think when he was asked like did you relate to the character at all he's like oh yeah, yeah. just because like i've been a struggling actor in la and and i said so he went from kind of being up and coming to like nothing really happens after this movie for him uh, nothing big at least i feel like except like again nightmare three but like what happens if you like like again de niro but like if it's travolta travolta's already played kind of a voyeuristic character in blowout mm-hmm. like what what's like does the movie work as well with a bigger actor is basically what I'm saying, or does it work because it's a lesser known person in it?
0: Yeah, I think it, I think it works when he's lesser known, but yeah, I, I also don't think you can have anybody with, with the kind of persona that like he, you, you, you never think in this movie that like, even if he was able to get upstairs in time that he would have been able to fight that guy off. Like it. that's yeah. just not, he, yeah. I mean, he really doesn't accomplish anything physically in this movie like <laughs> he, he uh, except
1: he, he he can actually jump over fences very well Yeah, uh, like yeah, he, cli- he climbs over fences pretty quickly yeah. and, and he's nimble. several scenes he's nimble yeah but
0: yeah i uh yeah i think it i think it works he feels like an everyman for sure which is yeah which you know they use jimmy stewart in like a kind of different way jimmy stewart had baggage attached to him when he did rear window and vertigo it was just that he had this like mr smith baggage attached to him so then when we start watching him be just a super creep in those two movies we're like "Ooh, i don't know how i feel about this like he's like mr america and what does this say about me (laughs) you know yeah so so this guy has like no baggage for me at least maybe yeah looking over his imdb it doesn't seem like he would really like anyone would have baggage with him coming into this movie but but it it works in that way and 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 so yeah I do, I do think it he he does he has that every man feel to him which then in turn like i said does have this idea that like you know any guy in the 80s you take him up into that house and you show him that that telescope and i think the idea of this movie is like any guy would have done that any guy would have watched yeah. um like all all sam really needed was some a, a, a straight male who needed a sublet and he knew he was set from there you know
1: yeah and, and, and a guy because he's, he's kind of sizing him up like he's a guy who like like he's found out he's been heart he, like his girlfriend's been cheating on him with the yeah. guy uh he's lonely he's lonely and, he, and i think he kind of comes off as a coward at the end of the day mm-hmm. like he's like even in the scene the acting scene like he feels trapped in some way yeah and he can't and even he can't even call out stuff. for
0: help you know that's the whole thing yeah. it's like he's he's not allowed to call out for help.
1: Yeah. It's he, he feel it's a character who I think feels inferior in some way, if it's in his job, if it's his personal life. And so Sam, that's why Sam's kind of looking at like going and seeing him several times, like, okay, how's this guy in real life? Cool, I can I can kind of manipulate him in a certain way and he'll kind of believe anything because he's so down the dumps right now. He he's still there is this like naiveness to him, but he slowly goes into this world of like pornography basically Mm -hmm. like you're seeing jake and the other thing i gotta like that just feels so odd it's when he's trying to be like a porno actor like when he comes in with the slick back hair and the leather jacket Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's like hey i'm making a movie like it's just it's you got it's got
0: moxie kid basically (laughs) yeah yeah
1: yeah. and what i think it's so good it's like uh, to, to show that he's actually a really good actor is that he's he's like doing a bad act as an act. Does that make sense? Like Mm -hmm. he's doing, like he is not good as this, like I'm a porno actor. Like I got, I got money pal. Like I, we can. I just, I want to come work with you. Like you can tell he's like so fake, but like Jake, Jake would be not, would not be good in that situation. I don't think it's Craig. I think Craig Watson's performance is great by making Jake's performance, not look that good. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there's a lot of levels there. Um, but yeah, I think he's really good in that role and this is kind of and what worked. But yeah, I think like you said the cast is really good. Um, I like the locations of it, I like the music of it. I do like the style of it, uh, for better or worse. So I all that stuff I like about it. So what didn't work about the movie, Thomas? What's the stuff you've been holding back?
0: I I mean I I kinda of brought it up already, but the, the... Beverly Hills into the long beach sequence just draws on for me. And then I think the, the ultimate like nail in the coffin for that sequence for me is, is the claustrophobia in the tunnel. It just goes for so long and it, it, every time it cuts back and it's like, Whoa, the tunnel is shaking. And it's just like, I get it. (laughs) But like, really, I I, I know plenty of people. My, my grandmother has like crippling claustrophobia. Like, I don't know that it would have like, Frozen anyone to the edge of this wall in this tunnel and just like yeah, stand there and watch as this guy is just like and all and I don't know I, I know that the whole idea was to have him see that he took the card or whatever, but to just like get like less than ten feet in front of him and then like I'm gonna dump this purse out and start going for in uh, front like, of you. Yeah, yeah that, that, that I, scene. Agree. I, I agree with you, especially I wanted to bring uh, it up because when you were bringing up the, the grave scene and the way that he shoots the claustrophobia in the grave scene, that made me feel. And then that's the idea in Vertigo with creating that Vertigo shot was like you want to make the audience feel as, um, you know, off balance as like, mm-hmm. Shaken up as Jimmy Stewart's feelings so they understand like this is why he can't get to the roof. Look how disorienting yeah. this is, and it, that works in the grave sequence. You're going, oh, whoa, he's he, he, how how deep is this grave? How do you get out of it? Like it looks like it's so deep he can't even climb his way out. Rocking the camera back and forth in the tunnel did nothing for me to make me go like, oh, this guy's stuck in this tunnel. He's never going to get yeah. out.
1: Well, I think too, like I, 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 it almost feels like. It is a weird, weird pers- view of claustrophobia. Because, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't, I'm not really claustrophobic in that way. I don't know if I like, do. I don't know if people would get claustrophobic in a tunnel from being in that that large of a tunnel with
0: nobody around. Like, the elevator a, sequence, absolutely. Around. I think when when yeah. everybody gets on the elevator with him and you see his eyes go wide and you're like, yes, one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But like, because people are around him and, tu- and like and like putting. Pushing him into a smaller space, mm-hmm. but a tunnel is just like—it's tunnel.
0: Yeah, he can see both ends. He can see the light coming in on both ends. Yeah, that.
1: It's just like oh no, enclosed spaces, but like not not big and not small enclosed spaces. <laughs> but the grave, but the grave, yeah, the grave makes sense. Um, I I I don't like the makeup of of, of
0: no who looks of, like of that the character. No one looks like, like that in real.
1: It looks like so bad. Like that—that's the problem that I think tips off the reveal a lot is that like the makeup is just aged poorly it's just aged like it's trying to make him too much of a villain yeah like oh it's a bad guy
0: (laughs) he looks like a bond villain yeah
1: yeah he looks like a bond villain so that that really yeah that doesn't that doesn't work for me
0: this is more this is more nitpicking but this is another thing when i I was talking about the relax sequence like Uh brian depalman knows that that's not how the sh- the shoot works um in what world i'm sorry if this is a low budget film or whatever in what world does the fired actor get to walk up on set and start talking to the director in the middle of the take
1: <laughs> and then get hired back at the end of the movie <laughs>
0: <laughs> he just, they're in the middle of the take he just comes walking over like taps him on the shoulder i'm like "Is no where are the pas where are the lockdown yeah. PA's? you know they're on a soundstage." stage <laughs>
1: he couldn't get in there if if that red light's on yeah there's just no way yeah i was gonna ask how do you feel about and this might have been what what didn't work but like how do you feel about portrayal of movie making because it's an interesting like it's that's almost in the background in a way of Mm -hmm. like it being like a hollywood movie but it is it is still a hollywood movie in some way
0: i mean i i do like i like the the scene that the, pre- the credits play over just kind of showing the mundaneness of filming yeah. a sex scene. That that was really fun. I, I do really like that scene where they're like, all right, hold your hand right here. All right, we're going to bring in a C-stand to keep your hand up and we're going to get the, <laughs> the body double to come in. And then she's like, you know, be careful. Uh, I'm very sensitive. And he's like, okay. I, like, I, I think that's – I, I, I should have brought that up earlier. I think that's a really fun button after we've sat and watched yeah. this like – erotic thriller movie to then be like it's actually really boring to make these movies
1: (laughs) yeah so that's the what that's what worked basically what we're saying yeah well it's the moment when like they bring in makeup and they just put the c-stand she kind of moves like don't move it like they like like freak out yeah (laughs) and it's like we need you we need you get up higher need you move up higher so because you're in you're in a you're not you're shorter than the actress we had before um or it's like when they when they call like stop and like Dennis uh, uh, Dennis Franz just like pops up out of the window. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, all right. And she's like, "Oh, your hands are cold." Like, yeah. to, to he goes, oh, "I'm sorry." It's like, yeah, it is this very mundaneness that I think really works that we're saying and what didn't work. Uh, but it does work. But yeah, so I think I think somehow Hollywood stuff does work a lot. But yeah, I do I agree with you. It's it's a weird like. How does he get in all of a after he's been kind of kicked off? The I mean, set?
0: It, it, they're obviously shooting on the Warner Brothers lot. I don't know within the film if that's meant to be the Warner Brothers lot because it's a pretty small movie. But like, you yeah. don't you don't stroll on to the Warner Brothers lot and start talking to a director.
1: No. Well, I do love that they cut to his agent for that one scene of just like, uh, and he's just on the Warner Brothers lot. Like, oh yeah, you're you're fired. Basically, he's my client. Trying to get in touch with you for days. How do you know that? Uh, he's, yeah.
0: he's my client. <laughs>
1: i mean i couldn't just not give my client i got i gotta make money money somehow i'll ask you this this, this goes to the beach sequence because i don't know this is the one where anytime we can i watch it with people if I, the beach sequence i do think is one of the lower point parts and i think it might be because you're saying it's too long and i think this it's also too long it's the like trying to be the the hitchcock almost vertigo it's when they start kissing when mm-hmm. gloria and jake start kissing which i don't i don't really understand how they become so connected
0: no no
1: so quickly it doesn't make sense Gloria does
0: not that and it's interesting that 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 i think within the film that only lines up with this image of Gloria as this woman who like dances in front of her window and 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 pleases herself for for all of the hollywood hills to see which we come to learn is not real it's not
1: the case yeah so
0: that that version of Gloria who (laughs) meets a man on the beach and starts making out with him out of nowhere that does weirdly in this weird twisted eighties erotic thriller that those two things do kind of line up. But once you look back on the movie and realize like the, that's the only time we've really seen her is that sequence when he's following her. That's when you start to go, why did this woman
1: make out with this man who was stalking
0: her? And, and yeah, and it does. I, I do enjoy you know the the when they bring it back later and do the the vertigo thing yeah. where he's kissing Holly in it.
1: Yeah, turns right, back that, in, that moment is great. Turns that back into her, but
0: yeah, it's it's yeah that that it that it really seems like a reach, and it and it and it seems like a reach. I know they're trying to invoke invoke vertigo, but it does seem like the like a reach that the film is trying to make us feel like Jake cared about her at all beyond watching her. You know, yeah. At least in Vertigo, I think Scotty Scotty in himself thinks that he loved Madeline. We we know he doesn't, and it's warped. But I I don't I, I don't ever get the feeling in this movie that Jake thinks of her as any, anything other than an object to be looked an at. An object,
1: yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I think we go with Vertigo. It's like I think because he his he scotty i think follows her because it's and this is also another thing is that he sees her as a troubled character in some yeah, way and, he, and i think someone he, he needs to, to save her. when he's failed yeah, at exactly. saving people previously correct and this this doesn't really work and it doesn't work for me <laughs> that one to bring up um go off that Um I'm, I'm reminded of the of the part when he walks in sees his girlfriend uh cheating on him the look she gives She's is glowing. so yeah (laughs) but the way she just looks at him like as it's happening like well, well like
0: what was going on in their relationship that's that's an unanswered question she's she's not just cheating on him she wanted him to know that she was cheating on him
1: yeah exactly exactly it was very it was very odd and then we're just like once he like moves on it's like cool we never bring that up at all like Mm -hmm. again (laughs) it's just like i gotta find a sublet right now because i'm moving out of my place all right on to alternate universe cast so talk about it haven who was who was up for the role he because because Palma said he couldn't get anyone to like be up for playing holly body because of the nudity and, and what's happening in it uh but here are some names that were that allegedly auditioned or allegedly turned it down mm-hmm. so i say allegedly because i just unless i'm hearing from Brian De Palma himself i'm gonna say allegedly <laughs> um so allegedly uh tatum o'neill Jamie Lee Curtis and Carrie Fisher auditioned for Holly.
0: See, there there, there was something going on about second generation
1: yeah, actors. Yeah, second generation. Yeah, you're right. Linda Hamilton allegedly turned it down mm. to do Terminator. Okay. Uh Brooke Shields allegedly turned it down to study French literature at Princeton.
0: That's yeah, that's probably a good call.
1: Yeah. Uh one other person was allegedly considered for Scully. For Jake, and that was Kurt Russell.
0: Mm-mm. Nope.
1: <laughs> if you have Kurt Russell, you're just you're thinking like, oh, he's gonna save her. Yeah, is the thing at that moment. Like he's gonna go in there and be the up. If I'm if
0: I'm Sam, and I'm trying to pick someone who's I know is not gonna be able to I get down that Kurt hill. Russell.
1: I ain't picking Kurt yeah. Russell.
0: <laughs> Kurt Russell's gonna hop off the balcony of that building and land on his feet at the bottom of the hill, perfectly fine. <laughs> he'll probably
1: find a way to zip line down there yeah. like really quickly is the thing of like what do i have in the house so yeah he was he was uh rumored so deborah shelton who plays gloria uh revel had her voice dubbed in the final movie by actress helen schaefer hmm that so makes it's sense. not her voice and it's not her voice uh dennis franz who plays the ruben the director based his portrayal of him uh, based its portrayal on it off of brian de palma is what it was was.
0: Well, Am I remembering this correctly? Dennis France was the first instance of nudity on basic cable, correct?
1: Oh, was he? Was that NYPD blue or something? Yeah. Or what was it? I
0: think he had he had a he had a butt scene. So <laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs> Is that was that your piece of information you want, you no, were gonna tell me was earlier? Not.
0: It does also concern Dennis France
1: though. Okay, so that, that I haven't I don't have anything else to Dennis France, though so you'll have to tell me that in a minute. As I said, Palm was going to divorce at the time, and so I the original script apparently took place in new york city and not la but he was living in la i think during at, during the divorce so it was moved to la is what it was instead mm. of new york um blowout which is also a movie about kind of making low budget like horror movies or whatever that takes place in new Look york
0: Look you got a you got a florida movie you got a miami movie you got a very strongly miami movie you got a very strongly <laughs> chicago movie you got a yeah. very strong new york movie and an la movie what a guy
1: talk about like touring america through Palma. <laughs> that's that's a, that's a series let's see my last film fact uh Britt easton ellis's novel american psycho references this film many times it is one of one of patrick bateman's favorite movies and he's rented it over 37 times in the book
0: i was gonna ask earlier when we were talking about you know the kind of the span of erotic thrillers if if american psycho counted um
1: i don't know yeah I, is it erotic though I don't know if it's erotic I don't think it's
0: Patrick Bateman thinks that it's erotic
1: <laughs> Patrick Bateman thinks it is but then that then you go in this whole idea because that's the female gaze or is it if that's a because that's from a female director because it's it's um because Mary Heron does that so that's and that's nothing to with this with this genre with the rock thrillers it's mostly from the male gaze yes. and from a male director I think outside like Jane Campion's in the cut which has been kind of was not well received at the time but has been reassessed as years have gone on like I, I would be i would be interested to see more like female directors and see if they could tackle this genre in some way mm-hmm. i think that would be interesting but yeah so yeah i i don't know about american psycho being one i think that's so much of a satire and I man, i don't know about satire but it's just such a it feels like a takedown it, it feels like a takedown of stuff so i don't know if it's an erotic thriller
0: i mean i think they're definitely um, playing with the male gaze in yeah that, in that movie I, I
1: agree i agree i agree completely on that yeah uh did you you said you had a film thing a film yeah. act of some kind so
0: we're keeping keeping the 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 hitchcock ties going uh i think like two years before this came out dennis franz was in psycho 2 Oh, uh, was he yeah and then like two years after this came out greg henry was in bates motel which was a made-for-tv movie in which bud court bought the bates motel so
1: yeah a lot of I Hitchcock in that. the veins here a lot of hitchcock so here's the thing i like psycho too if i remember correctly i haven't seen it in years that's fine i mean it's not it's not psycho yeah but like i still think it has one of the best like taglines for a movie because it's it's 22 years later and norman bates is coming home like that's just that's a great setup to Mm -hmm. me just that set that says the whole movie right then and there (laughs) um so that's on my film facts all right story questions my story question is who is Gloria calling all these different times? Because she's supposed to meet someone down Long Beach. Oh yeah. Who is she supposed to meet?
0: Oh yeah. She is. So you, we seem to believe that she's cheating on her husband or like having an affair. Yes, with that's somebody. what you,
1: that's what you assume. That's what you assume.
0: Yeah. That's why she's got that kind of bungalow in Long Beach. But yeah, but then they never bring it up. No. Again,
1: yeah. It's a weird kind of because I'm just like, who is that supposed to be? Because it's not. She's not calling her husband from what it sounds like because. It sounds like they're not getting along, because that's you have the scene when he shows up to take stuff out of her her safe or whatever.
0: Is Sam a bad act? Is is Sam an actor? An amateur actor?
1: Because yes. th-
0: that other guy seems to know him. Right? I, I couldn't tell if he like was part of that community or he just decided to dip into that community to find a a fall guy. Okay, I think well, that he's makes a
1: part. I think he's a, I think he's part of that community. Is what that it
0: makes is. that makes more sense? The bad stage makeup <laughs> makes <laughs> makes more sense.
1: <laughs> Yeah, but he does. But yeah, it's like it's like how how does he do it so quickly? Is the thing because like if it's ta- like how like how long in, in film time? How long do you think it takes him to put that makeup on? Because in real time, it takes three and a half four hours.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, it's probably longer than that. So so the idea that because they, they, the cop says something about um like a rich wife with a like a not rich husband, right? So the, the idea yeah. is that. She is rich. He's a struggling actor. They're married, yeah, he's and, and he's actor. a struggling yeah. actor. Okay,
1: interesting. Yeah, hmm. he goes on the audition mm-hmm. that that Jake is at. Like he's not like just shows up. He's he coming out of the audition room. Is right. What it is? Yeah. Um, and then the acting the acting class is the weird one where like you can tell he's actually following him now. Yeah. Cause like not supposed to, them like, the they call class. him out.
0: Like you're not supposed to be here. Yeah.
1: Like, are you, are you a part of this class? No. Or whatever. You're like, why is he yeah, here?
0: See, that's, that's where that's, I think, I don't know for me as well as I know rear window and, vertigo like as soon as that started happening i was like all right well that's the guy so like that's i, I think that's the problem with this adhering so closely to hitchcock without being like a straight up remake is you just like if you if it's like paint by numbers if you know hitchcock so I, and i'm not sure how surprising De Palma wanted it to be
1: yeah i don't know i don't know ebert ebert seems to think it was very surprising hmm. okay but i almost i almost want to know is that it's 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 an older film and we've I mean it's like we've become used to like that big reveal like oh yeah it's the husband or whatever like it's that i like, guess it's, it's but i mean that's also the reveal
0: in like rear window and vertigo <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> that's fair um so you're just like oh, okay cool um one okay so this is not a story question because i know the answer to it but i want to bring it up because it's an interesting plot point to discuss is the how does holly get into the house which he says he gives a key but how like how is it, it, it it's where's clock it, it clockwork yeah where's glory where's glory every the night so at one point so it's when she's at beverly hit when they're at rodeo collection or wherever and she's on the phone talking to whoever that she's talking to she says oh well you know i don't get home till 7 p.m so it's all i only assume that means she's doing that before 7 p.m which doesn't make sense she'd be doing it that early in dead the dead of night <laughs> yeah like 6 p.m five thirty in the in the evening All right, and she's i'm gonna get dressed and go
0: to bed
1: <laughs> yeah so that, yeah it's like why yeah it's it's a weird it's a weird thing it's a weird thing it's like the plot tries to make sense of it and it answers the question oh she doesn't get home till 7 p.m but it doesn't make sense that 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 uh gloria which mm-hmm. is holly would be doing it that early is the thing um also like what is what is what is sam do, as the indian what is he doing like with the with the satellite over to the side when you first see him it's i wonder weird... if that's
0: he's welding right so the, yeah, the idea is that his cover is that he's welding is he doing that because he knows the flash of light is gonna like catch get jake's get attention Jake to see him yeah maybe hmm. i don't know was Jake in in his plan was Jake supposed to be following Gloria that day?
1: I wondered that too. Cuz
0: he doesn't I nec- that I... he, he doesn't need the key card, but like that's a, that's kind no. of a gamble. to yeah. like you can you can you can pretty much bet like that guy's going to look through that telescope a couple of times, but like
1: he's going to get the He's going to follow her <laughs> to follow her around. Yeah. Cuz like, he's cuz the cuz he's standing out there waiting outside is he expecting him to see him there? And then follow him there. Or or is it just a, cause when he looks at him on the elevator, it's kind of like a smile like, Oh there you are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that was part of his plan or not. All right, awards. Alright, the Beatrice Strait Award, actor, action on scenes that kills it. Who do you have?
0: Is that is how, how Melanie Griffith has about twenty minutes in this movie, so
1: I'd put her in supporting. I'd put her who's, in supporting. who's the
0: dude who's who's do, who's like the 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 MC from from Cabaret that's showing him around during the relax. Oh, uh,
1: that's 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 actually the group Frankie goes to Hollywood. That's oh. the lead guy.
0: Okay. Good for him. <laughs> you know what? I'm giving it to him. <laughs> it's gotta do porn on the side. Uh, uh
1: Holly Johnson is his name. Yeah, that was their big hit. And that popped up in Zoolander uh yes. later in life. Absolutely. Um so you're going with Holly Johnson and Frankie goes to Hollywood.
0: Yep. That's English my...
1: English English synth synth pop band. Mm-hmm. So no Dennis Franz there? No Dennis Franz? You
0: know, it's, it, I think it's I think this is one of those roles where like he did become Dennis Franz later on, but when when you see him pop up you're like, "Oh, Dennis Franz is here." And then you're like, "Oh, he's not doing anything in this movie."
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he was in so, I mean, he was he, he was in at least 5 de Palma films. Okay. It looks like so and several Robert Altman movies, interesting enough. Um Okay, so we're going with Holly Johnson, a Frank goes to Hollywood for Beatrice Straight Award. Copy that. <laughs> All right, Annie Potts X Factor Award. Supporting actor, actresses, the most memorable. Melanie Griffith. Melanie Griffith. Yeah, Melanie Griffith. Griffith. I think, as we've said before, she brings the energy to this film that kind of wasn't present previously and really just steals the show. I think, I think, like I said, even the critics that didn't like the movie talked about how good she was in this film. So I think she. She is easily the winner in the Annie Potts X Factor Award. I get $2,000 a day and I do not work without a contract. Okay.
0: I mean, fine. I mean, that's no problem.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> I think we got a deal.
1: Cheers.
0: Are you ever doing any specialty work?
1: Um. What kind of specialty work are you looking for? A woman alone, getting herself off. It's got to be
0: really hot.
1: (laughs) Is that all? Oh, I have a routine that is a sure 10 on the Peter meter. I know. I've seen it. (laughs) Yeah? A few times. Mm, Yeah, well, I'm known far and
0: wide for that a bit of
1: business. All right, Gene Hackman MVP, the person who carries the movie, director, actor, etc. Hmm. I know my answer, but I don't know if you'll say the same person.
0: Is your answer De Palma?
1: It is De Palma.
0: Sure. I mean, this has this has his stamp all over it for for better or for worse.
1: Like, I don't know who else you who else directs this movie. Yeah. Besides De Palma. No, I agree. And I feel like because of that, it's like I I think with De Palma you're either on the train or you're off of it is kind of what feels like (laughs) with with this type of movie you're either on board with what he's doing and his style and you accept it for flaws and all or you're just like yeah that's (laughs) diploma um i i said i like the movie a lot i i I, because i like just i think his style again i said earlier it's like it feels like you have those weird campy moments that don't fully work and then all of a sudden you see something you've never seen before in a movie in a movie uh, I think he he has that ability to do that. Um, even, I I think of like, S- like the opening of Snake Eyes or whatever. It's this huge one, like oneer of Nicolas Cage. And I don't think that Snake Eyes is a, is a good movie, but that scene's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um Bonfire the Vanity is kind of the same thing with the opening of that. Like, I think he's able to like, cause he, he talked about how, I and mean, he was doing his, the, the 2015 film. He talked about how like, he I think he was probably referring to Noah Back. he goes you guys because Back and Wes Anderson are big fans of De Palma weirdly enough mm-hmm. um is that he goes you guys base on you guys start with character and work your way into the movie he goes I start with like scene moments mm-hmm. and like suspense ideas and then work my way from there like he weirdly works like almost as an action director in a way
0: that that feels like it's perfectly incorporated the way that I feel about De Palma, but not necessarily in in the in a good way, if that yeah. makes
1: sense. <laughs> I understand.
0: To me, to be like the, the way that you described, you'll be watching De Palma, and then he just does something amazing. Um, it feels like he works that way, and then he's like, "This scene, I'm gonna do this," and then yeah, it's, it's like somebody on set is like, well, "What about this scene?" And he's like, "Yeah, we'll figure it out." And <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's those scenes that kind of overwhelm the i mean of course he's got these amazing iconic scenes in in all of his stuff but then you know it's it's the the filler that he just always underwhelms me in in the way that he fills the time in between those scenes
1: that's fair again that that goes again that goes why i just said up what he does he goes mm-hmm. he start he, he does character kind of later and it's more about the suspense thing but but when saying that it's weirdly it's when you hear that you go oh i see why he does mission impossible yeah. later on because Again, Tom it's like Cruise it feels dropping like down action.
0: from the, d- dropping down from the ceiling and like almost hitting because, the floor and. You know.
1: But let's be real. Tom Cruise, kind of works that way now with Mission Impossible. Oh, I've always wanted to do this. Let's do mm-hmm. this, and we'll find a way to to build up to that. Yeah,
0: I, I think that I think his that mindset that he brought into the Mission Impossible films not only has you know turned that franchise to what it is, but is also what they what they used to turn the Fast and Furious franchise into what it is now.
1: I think mo- most big budget action films or franchise yeah. films of that nature if we can yeah. make
0: these huge set pieces work it doesn't really matter what we fill it with in between. I don't think that's all all big budget. I think, you know, I think the 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 Marvel films have much more of an eye of like weaving, you know, what are we going to do with mm-hmm. the next movie and make basically make this a big budget TV show. Um so they do have a little bit more focus on what, what happens in between the, the sequences, but you, can, I mean, I, you can't watch the last couple of fast and furious movies and think that like, they really care that oh, much yeah. about what happens in between the car chase. <laughs> they yeah. say family By a couple al- of times.
1: <laughs> family. But also this, I would prefer to watch the Palma movie over some of the fast and furious movies. Mm-hmm. Fast five. Would be an interesting debate. <laughs> anyway, I think De Palma de- deserves MVP no matter what on this movie.
0: Yeah, it's a De Palma movie.
1: (laughs) Okay. Brian De Palma, Gene MVP. All right. Final questions. Uh, If this movie was remade today, who would you cast?
0: Dakota Johnson.
1: I I knew you were going to say that.
0: (laughs) She does bring up when we were talking about male gaze earlier. That was, that was a really interesting. I read a couple of think pieces when, when the um 50 shades movies came out where it was like this is a erotic thriller series written by a woman why is it still shot why is it still yeah. shot with the male gaze like no men want to see this movie <laughs> and like, yeah yeah and, and Jamie Dornan's never nude in the movie and and yeah and Dakota Johnson is um yeah, the male gaze is just so embedded into filming that even when you're making a movie for women, you still feel like you need to shoot it that way.
1: Directed by a woman. Yeah. Like the first one's directed by a woman.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So who do you cast?
0: <laughs> so you're saying Dakota Johnson wouldn't do this movie?
1: I don't know if Dakota Johnson would do this movie.
0: She's too big for it at this point.
1: I think she's, I think she's more in. She's doing a lot of interesting indie work right now. She had two mm-hmm. films of Sundance this past year.
0: Yeah. I think she, she, she makes great film choices.
1: You ever yeah, see a bigger splash?
0: I loved A Bigger Splash.
1: I haven't seen, seen A Bigger Splash. I like her in Pant Bar Falcon, though. Yeah. I do. Um, I, th- I even like her in Bad Times at El Royale. Yeah, people, I love that movie. Everyone loves that movie. Yeah, but I, I like her in that movie.
0: I mean, this this does, it brings up an interesting debate, again, about nudity. I, I've been reading a lot of stuff lately about nudity in film. I think, um, you know, Zendaya recently built like a no nudity clause into mm-hmm. her contract with HBO because they're so, HBO is yeah. notorious about requiring nudity almost in their in their stuff and and i think we're i think we're starting to get beyond that i know sydney sweeney recently came out and said she kind of wished that she hadn't gotten nude in the first season of euphoria so mm-hmm. we're, we're we're at a very interesting time for to, yeah. to be having this conversation um because there is this idea of of kind of moving beyond and being liberated but also like how, what is exploitative um yeah i don't know this is, this is all this is far beyond a the hour and thirty minute <laughs> podcast uh, as to what the future of the the, the uh, future of erotic thrillers is nudity
1: and film yeah
0: yeah just nudity and film in general but uh
1: I well let's let's go okay we'll we'll we'll, we'll come out we'll we'll not do Holly Body first but let's go with let's go with Jake with Jake Scully
0: who's our who's our Jake Scully right now um Cole Sprouse
1: you think Cole sprouse would do
0: this I think I think. I think that that uh, I think Riverdale is a lot to Brian De Palma.
1: <laughs> I, I, I was about to say, I was like, could you just put the entire Riverdale cast? I think, these I, think these roles? I think
0: a lot of people behind the scenes at Riverdale are <laughs> Brian De Palma fans just based off the way that show goes. So um
1: Camilla Mendez or like uh Lily Reinhart and like the Holly body role. Mm,
0: mm-hmm. Oh, who plays uh Cheryl? The actress that plays Cheryl. Yeah. Uh
1: Madeline. Patch, patch is their name yeah mm-hmm. yeah is that for holly is what you're saying yeah that's my pick okay <laughs> it's Cole Sprouse.
0: <laughs> let's just do a remake let's do an episode of riverdale that is they've probably honestly just done it double. it's they're, they're five seasons in. they've probably done it already i know they've done carrie
1: um now you do paul dano and in, in craig Watson's role and just make him
0: if, if you got paul dano in that role then i'm i, I, I will side with the cop and think that he did I it.
1: i agree <laughs> weirdly someone that came to mind and this is probably not a good pick at all but daniel radcliffe
0: Mm. yeah i could see that
1: it's an odd pick Mm -hmm. but i feel like he could play that guy
0: yeah i think so
1: so we're still we're we're still going with radcliffe and
0: madeline petch from riverdale
1: and madeline petch riverdale's holly body who's sam who do you think who do you think is sam paul dano (laughs) paul dano (laughs) Okay, let's
0: we'll go, Paul Dano. We'll, we'll get them back together after Swiss Army Man,
1: and then yeah, Zoe Kazan as as, no, as Gloria.
0: No. Uh, uh, Noah Centineo is is going to be Sam. Okay, I'm trying to I'm trying to appeal to the youth here, man.
1: The, the the youth the youths. Yep. And then and then the the detective is Brian Tyree Henry because I think he's playing a lot of detective he plays a roles. a cop and played, everything. Everything outside of Atlanta, he's going to be in some more stuff coming up. He was great in the Eternals, I thought no matter how we feel about the eternals i, I actually liked him in, in the eternals and in, in, interesting It's an interesting cast for body double um it's all right straight does to na-
0: netflix i mean i don't think i don't think that was ever yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um does this film fit with any other genres
0: um neo-noir
1: is, was probably yeah. what i would say
0: yeah neo-noir and then it's, it's it's a thriller and it's erotic so
1: and it's erotic so it's a rock thriller um, now, how does this film fit with the erotic thriller genre? As we said, like, it's kind of outside the peak, the peak era yeah, it, of it. It
0: definitely feels like kind of like with with Body Heat, it, it feels like it's early on, like it, it's setting yeah. some ground rules that would eventually, you know, be incorporated into the film. But it's it's definitely acting outside of the boundaries of that film. Like like we said yeah. at the beginning of the episode, a lot of the the, the core ones definitely came to have this idea of like if transgression but then punishment and there's not really there's not really any punishment in this one even even body heat did have that kind of transgression and then punishment but um this one he is kind of being set up he is someone is trying to punish him but it's not necessarily for his his transgressions uh necessarily so With 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 body heat, at least you had that idea that like he let himself be sexually manipulated Mm -hmm. and it it kind of blinded him to what was going on. But yeah, yeah, this one this one kind of is, is around before that you know there's this idea like oh what if we what if we mixed up like sex and violence and we kind of did a film noir but we showed you the 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 sexy parts but it, it hasn't quite gotten onto that idea of like this is how a film noir works i mean or this yeah. is how an in in, an
1: erotic, an erotic, thriller, erotic yeah. thriller works yeah because like because like he is kind of the fall guy he is a fall guy in some way but he's not he's not being blamed for the crime mm-hmm. like in some of the erotic thrillers. he's being he's just a witness yeah. to the crime and he's he's basically trying to be sam's alibi is what Mm -hmm. it is and so that's kind of an off offshoot of the archetype of the fall guy in another movie melanie griffith is the femme fatale Mm -hmm. but she's not she's kind of outside of the crime like she was involved in it but she's like i don't know some guy hired me that's it yeah in another movie the twist would be like oh she was in on it with the husband the entire time or something right is the thing but they kind of go they don't do that at all she's just kind of like a a bystander in a way and innocent a bystander in a way that gets involved in this thing um so it definitely is is an offshoot of some of those 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 tropes and archetypes of the erotic thriller and the noir genres mm-hmm. so i think that's it on by double hmm Thomas, I'm, I thank you for watching this because I was. This was one I've been like, "Will Will Thomas ever watch Body Double? I don't know. Will he like any of it?
0: I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I I feel like I came off hard on De Palma. I will never not enjoy watching a Brian De Palma movie. That's that's kind of the essence of Brian De Palma. Is it's always going to be yeah. pulpy. It's always going to be, you know, exciting. Just, uh, I just keep finding myself not as blown away as I feel like I'm supposed to be when other people talk about these movies.
1: Well, I'm sorry. Well, at least at least you're 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 adding more to the filmography of De Palma. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll understand it more, more.
0: One day. One day. One of them. One day you'll. Yeah. You know, uh, Phantom of the Paradise clicked for me. That one. That one clicked. Yeah. But well, yeah, uh, it's funny.
1: It is that someone like Wes Anderson is such a big fan of him, mm-hmm. and when I think of De Palma, I don't think of Wes Anderson in any way, nope, shape, or form. So, yeah, well, that's on Body Double. Next week, we are going a little bit off schedule of the erotic thriller, and it's going to be our 200th episode. So make sure you join us as Thomas and I answer questions from our listeners. A lot of great questions out there. Hopefully you enjoy our answers uh, about the show. Um, But that is next week. And then after that, we'll be coming back into the erotic thriller month with Eyes Wide Shut. So stay tuned for all that. That's all we have for you on this episode. If you're a fan of the show or a Loon listener, make sure you subscribe to the Nation Podcast so you stay up to date on all of our new episodes. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever your podcast. And if you haven't already, make sure you write to a review on whatever platform you listen to show on.
0: Yeah, guys, even if your comment needs to be, I hate Thomas, I can't believe he hates Brian De Palma. I don't hate Brian De Palma, so you'd be wrong there, but you would be right <laughs> in thinking that you should voice your opinion on our comment section.
1: Just a five-star, five stars with that would be great. Five-star review,
0: because, you know, whether or not you agree with our opinions you can still give five stars to the effort that we're putting in to bring our opinions to you and that we also want to hear your opinion so there you go
1: yeah and finally don't forget to like and follow us on facebook twitter instagram tiktok all that jazz thomas as always thank you for joining me thank you for having me and thank you all for listening hope to listen more episodes soon bye